how it lights my path, how it guides my way. We'll be blessed as you go, children. I'm going to ask um, Terry is going to come up and read the scripture. If you've got your Bibles, you can open it to Luke 5, and then he will pray for Steve. And we will have time to respond to the message at the end. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. Morning. So Luke 5. So it was, as a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And as they came and filled their, boat, filled their boats, both boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and were the partners with Simon sorry, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And uh, just wait for... Right. Yeah, Father, I just want to thank you for Steve, and I just pray, Lord, that Whatever that is that you want us to hear, the message you want delivered, Lord, would you bring that to remembrance? Holy Spirit, bring a focus and a clarity, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And would you rest upon him and partner with him as he speaks? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Lovely to see you all. Anybody else like hearing stories about how people met? Stories about how people met are, are so interesting. Sometimes there's a deliberateness about it. But sometimes there's just this two people sitting on an aeroplane together and here they are, best of friends or married 50 years later, just suddenly met together in a strange way. There was a young lad from Liverpool who, for some reason, went along to a village church fete. Um, didn't really belong to the church, didn't belong to part of that community, but went along to that particular thing and enjoyed the music that was happening and had a chat to the uh, lead singer of the band. And they became friends together. And thence the Beatles were born, as Paul McCartney and John Lennon met for the first time. Strange how people meet, isn't it? And we've got a story today of Jesus and Peter meeting. And of this powerful encounter between the two of them. That's predominantly what it's about. This is a story about Peter and the calling of Peter. 
And it's a significant story because Luke is not just writing this gospel. Luke is writing for a second volume as well, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. He's got the two volumes in mind as he's writing this. So he's not doing the same as Mark and writing a gospel that's just a gospel that will finish at the point of Jesus' resurrection and doing the same as Matthew. He's doing something bigger. He's got a bigger thing in mind. And he wants to tell us about the calling of Peter, which is an important thing. It's an important thing to understand how Peter was called into the ministry that he has, how Peter was called into that place, because he's going to be a significant figure as the leader of the church in the early stages of the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, there's often this breakdown between what Peter does and what Paul does. And we know that Paul has a significant calling. Paul has a calling on the road to Damascus, a point when he meets with Jesus and something dramatic happens in his life because of the direction that he is going. And it's interesting that Peter has something also quite dramatic happen at the beginning of his turning to follow Jesus. It's not quite the same experience of turning to, to follow the one that you are persecuting, but it's still a significant moment for him. And it's therefore it's just like many other figures in the Bible who meet with the Lord, have these significant meetings with the Lord, and the Lord then says, I have a task for you to do, will you do it? We looked at Moses about, must be about a year ago now, people remember the burning bush and how Moses was called? And how Moses gets called by Jesus and Moses says, I don't think I can do this. And Jesus meets with the Lord and the Lord says, you can do this. Think about the beginning of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, as Isaiah has this vision of the Lord and of this altar, and he is called to his prophetic ministry through that, and an awareness of the sinfulness that is in him and this fiery coal being given to him. Something similar with Paul as he meets with the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. Throughout all of these things, there's this common thread. God has called these people. God takes the initiative. God speaks to these people. These aren't people who've decided, I'd like to do something for God. God, I've decided I want to do something for you. What can I do? For each of these people, God has found them where they are and arrested them and said to them, I want you to do this. You are called, you are commissioned to do this. It's a significant moment for each of them. They're often reluctant, often don't want to do it, or they appreciate their own failings and their own insignificance. Anybody here ever feel, I don't know if you put your hands up, I won't get you to put your hands up. Anybody here feel insignificant or not able? And if the Lord asks us to do something, why, why me? I can't do that. Do you think that I can do this thing? I, there's no way that I can do that. Well, we're in good company if we feel that way because it means we turn and place our trust in the Lord and ask him to help us and we don't try and do it in our own strength when we probably get it wrong. And they're called to a particular task, to a particular job, to a particular thing that they're called to do. Paul was called to go and spread the message amongst the Gentiles. Isaiah was called to speak God's word to Israel. Moses was called to deliver Israel. And Peter is called to go and catch human beings like fish. There's something specific that people are called to do. And the same for us. We're here because the Lord has called us and spoken to us and we've responded to his call to follow him, to be obedient and to be his disciples. 
And many of us are aware of the Lord also telling us, I want you to do something for me in this setting. It's not true of all of us. Some of us haven't heard that call yet. But the Lord wants to speak to us about things for us to do. I'm also aware that for some of us, that calling, that calling from God to do something for him has faded a little bit. If it was only yesterday, if it was yesterday, I remember the intensity of the feeling that I had when the Lord spoke to me, of that emotion that rose in my heart and that passion, that can I do this? And the Lord saying, yes, you can, and that awareness of the Lord empowering. I could hardly believe it. I could hardly imagine what God may want me to do. It was all I thought about. I if it's the same for you, that it's all we think about. What has God got in store for us? What are the exciting possibilities? And then years later, sometimes that calling can become less prominent in our thinking. We're less aware of it. We're caught up in the job that God has given us to do and it's become mundane and routine and maybe we're caught up on the detail of the problems that are surrounding it and how hard it is and how tired we are. Just felt the Lord putting it on my heart to remind us. He's called us to that job. He's called us to that task. And it's not the task that's important, it's the fact that God has called us. The job isn't our focus. Serving the one who's called us is. I just want to make a moment, a space as I speak. Just for us to ask God to refresh in us those of us who have been called, something of our calling, something of what the, God, what the Lord has spoken to us about already. And ask him to bring it to light in our hearts again and let it burn again within our hearts. And for those of us who've had this call, that we ask, ask the Lord this morning to speak clearly about it again, and where it may be slightly different, or where it may have changed, or where it may be calling us to do something different, that he would speak to us about that. To refine it, and to sharpen it in our minds and our understanding, that we do what he has called us to do, because he's called us to it. And I pray, Lord, that you administer to each of us this morning. Amen. For many of us, we haven't heard. For many of us, we haven't had that meeting with Jesus or we haven't felt him calling us to do something. But for all of us, I think there are some things we can learn from Peter and learn from Peter in what happens in his meeting with Jesus. So the first thing I think we can learn is about how there's often a closing of an awareness gap with Jesus. Kind of a growing awareness of who Jesus is and what he is saying. Luke has an interesting stage in Jesus' ministry that the other Gospels don't really talk about. In the other Gospels, Jesus, at the start of his ministry, seems to gather disciples around him very, very quickly. And yet we seem to have in Luke's Gospel, at the end of chapter 4, Jesus almost flying solo for a bit, uh, without the disciples gathered around him. So Jesus went to Capernaum in chapter 4.31, a city in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. It's, just a, it's a, a town on the shores of, of the Sea of Galilee. It's probably where Peter lived. Certainly if you go there today, there's this huge excavated site of apparently Peter's house 
that you can walk with, uh, with glass over the, over the floor and you can walk ar around it and look down at the floor and stuff that's below. And uh, uh, it's actually, I think, a, a functioning church and place of worship, as many of these places are. So Peter, it's understood, was, was based in Capernaum. So there is Jesus ministering in that town. Must have been aware of Jesus ministering there. Maybe because he's on night shift, so often out fishing at night, and he didn't actually see Jesus that often or hear him. He was probably in bed as a lot of these things were happening, but can't have been the whole of the time. And the place must have been alive with talking about this, this young rabbi, this young teacher who is speaking about things. And then we read a little bit later on, a couple of verses later on, about how Jesus goes to Peter's house and heals Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's getting closer and closer to the things that Jesus is doing. There's something that's impacting in his family now, impacting around him. And here Peter is after a hard night. I was going to say it's a hard day's night, harking back to the beginning, but I thought I'd resist saying that. He'd had a hard, he'd had a hard night and there was washing his nets. Tired, exhausted, let's get these nets done and get back, boys, but I don't know how it's going to be tomorrow. If we have another couple of nights like this, we're in trouble. Cleaning up the nets, and there is Jesus on the edge of hearing, beginning to teach, beginning to talk, but it's hard for Jesus to be heard because there's such a large crowd there. Many people think that there's this particular bay uh, near um, Capernaum where the acoustics are such that just slightly off the bay you can speak and people can hear really, really clearly. Uh, and it's probably in this place that Jesus is speaking. So Jesus wants to get into a boat to disappear off, to speak to the crowd uh, that is gathered there. And imagine what that must be like. People are wanting to hear Jesus, and there's a crowd that's gathered. So the crowd must have been unusually quiet for a crowd to have been wanting to listen, straining to hear what he's saying. And there's Peter on the edge of hearing as he's doing, hearing Jesus speaking, and maybe he's dropping what he's doing on his nets to listen to what Jesus is saying, maybe focusing a little bit less on his cleaning because he wants to hear what Jesus is saying. And then Jesus draws closer to Peter. Jesus saw, in verse 2, two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone, um, had gone out and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Now it's getting closer. Now it's getting personal. And Jesus has asked Peter for just a little, a little thing. Just for something little. He's asked him for, Peter, will you take that little step and do something that I'm asking you to do? And often that's the case for us. Jesus just speaks about something little on the edge of our hearing. And then we become aware of him. And then he begins to speak and ask us to do something little. I'm often struck with people in the Bible. How many people in ministry today? Interesting to ask Roger what his experience was. Who didn't realise what they were getting themselves into at the point that God called them. God called them to just take a little step and they took that little step without realising what the road was going to be like ahead, what it was that they were going to be doing for the Lord. Abraham was just told to go from one place to another. So he left and he went to this other place, and then everything exploded. 
And he learned his, his role as the father of a nation, that he would have a son when he didn't think he could have a son, that the whole world would be blessed through him. He didn't realize all of that at the very point that he started doing something for God. Did Moses know exactly what he was going to be doing as he was stepping into things? Most of the time we don't. The Lord calls us and says, would you do this little thing? Would you begin this path with me? And as we begin to walk that path with him, he reveals more and more to us and more and more things to us and asks us to do bigger things and bigger things and bigger things and bigger things and then it opens up what the Lord has in store for us. So if you're not sure if the Lord is calling you to do something big, but he's calling you to do something little, let's begin with that little thing. Because there's that little first step that often leads us into something exciting. It's not asking something to change Peter's life. He's not asking him to abandon his livelihood and to leave everything behind. Yet. That's going to come in a few verses. He's just asking him to drop what he's doing at the moment. You're cleaning your nets. Just for a bit, stop cleaning your nets and take me out in your boat for a little bit. Just for a bit, this is going to be inconvenient for you. It's going to be difficult for you. You wanted to get those nets cleaned. You wanted to get them out to dry, ready for tonight, and you wanted to go to bed. Just leave that for a minute and come and do something else. Jesus asking for our attention is often the first thing. And I think for many of us, that's a place where we need to be, hearing what the Lord is saying, giving him that little bit of extra space in the busyness of life. It's something I need to hear. It's making that priority of time sometimes to say, I'm going to stop cleaning those nets and I'm going to spend some time with the Lord and hear what he has to say and go where he's calling me to go. And for some of us, maybe that's something we need to do this week. Then comes the challenge. When Jesus had finished speaking, and I never quite know how long Jesus takes to say things, Not quite sure whether Jesus just spoke a couple of pithy parables and everybody disappeared or whether Jesus had been there for a couple of hours. It's hard to know. But when Jesus finished speaking, it says in verse 4, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. The question is, will Peter do something really stupid for Jesus? Really, really stupid. Fish in the daytime... You've got to be kidding. You don't fish in the daytime. We fish at night for a very, very good reason because that's when you catch fish. And even at night, we don't catch any fish at the moment. What's the point? The reason you don't fish in the daytime, one of the many reasons, is the nets that they used. The nets that they used were, I'm led to believe, were things with large gaps within them that the fish would swim through on both sides of a sheet of linen. And the fish would then get caught in the sheet of linen as they'd swim into the linen and back through the hole in the other side and get caught up in the net. You go putting this huge thing of a sheet of linen in the sea in the daytime, the fish see it. And they don't go anywhere near it. You just don't fish in the daytime. So Jesus says to him, put the boat out, let down your nets, and let's have a fish. Carpenters, eh? (laughs) Never trust the carpenter in the boat. You know, it's, I'm, a, I'm a fisherman, I know what I'm doing. Okay, let's do this. And I think that's the second thing to say this morning, is getting to meet with Jesus. It's not just about getting close to him, closing that awareness gap and giving him space and listening to him. 
It's about opening our lives to Jesus' lordship. Peter was obedient. It made absolutely no sense to fish in the daytime. He'd been trying all night and got nowhere. He was tired. He knew the fish just weren't landing at the moment. He knew that nets don't work during the daytime. He knows that there's no way we're going to catch anything. And Jesus asked him to do something really, really stupid. And yet, he does it. Why? Why has Jesus asked him to do this? I don't know. I wonder if it's not just because he wants to do a miracle. The miracle is something impressive and that we look at and we think, this is a wonderful miracle. It's shown who Jesus is. But I wonder if there's something more to just doing a miracle. Jesus is not showing off or Jesus is not doing something dramatic to get Peter's attention. I think that's the main thing. I don't know whether it's a spectacular sign for Peter that Peter is going to follow him if this happens. Yes, that is true, but I don't think that's the main reason. I don't think it's because he wants to feed lots of people because Jesus is already, you know, later on in the story we will see that Jesus is quite capable of feeding people with just a couple of fish and a couple of loaves. So it's not as if he's about to feed everybody on the shore so he wants to catch a lot of food. Is he doing it just because he can do it? I don't think that's what Jesus is like either. Why? I think it's a question about will Peter submit to the Lord and obey him? Will he trust him as his Lord, trust him as the one that he gives his life to, even when it looks difficult? Will Peter trust him? Peter's future is a future when he will need to trust Jesus in all things. He doesn't know what it's going to be like, but following Jesus in life is going to be difficult because Jesus is going to walk straight into opposition in a very short period of time, and Peter is going to be caught up in that opposition. He needs to trust Jesus and follow him and obey him as his Lord. And Peter hasn't been told this yet. He will be soon, but he hasn't been told this yet. But his life and his ministry is going to involve being imprisoned and probably killed, and it was, he was killed in the end for it. He needs to know how to trust Jesus and to submit to him. Jesus isn't just our best friend. He is our best friend, but he isn't just our best friend. He isn't just a genie in a bottle, someone who appears and offers us three wishes. There's one guy who's rubbing the bottle and the genie appeared, and he was very, very clever, this guy, and he said, the genie said, I'll give you three wishes. And he said, I'd like four wishes. Jeannie said, granted. Now back down to three wishes. Another guy was rubbing the bottle and the genie appeared. And he said, I'll grant you three wishes. And he said, I wish I was rich. And the genie said, granted. Two more wishes, rich. Three guys in a desert island were walking along and found a bottle. They rubbed it and a genie came out. And the genie said, three wishes. And they said, we'll have one each. The first one said, I miss my family so much. I've been stranded on this island for years. I wish, I wish to go home. He'd gone home. Second guy, I miss my family too. I wish to go home. Third guy, I miss my friends. I wish they were back here. <laughs> LAUGHTER Anyway, Jesus isn't like a genie in a bottle. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is the one that we follow and obey. He is God and someone that we give ourselves to completely. It's about serving him, 
putting him first. It's about us not being in charge. Sometimes we like, well, sometimes I think we always like to be in charge of our lives, running our lives independently, and the Lord will often ask us, am I Lord of your time? Am I Lord of your money? Am I Lord of your relationships? Lord of your job? Lord of your spare time? Lord of everything that you have? Such that I can call upon you to give any of that to me or to another at any point, and you will. That's our relationship with him. As bluntly put, that's what being a disciple is about, about following Jesus as our Lord. So where does Jesus begin with Peter? Calling upon him to follow him as Lord with fishing. Not with the stuff where Peter knows he needs the Lord. There are places in our lives where we know we need the Lord. There are places where we struggle, things that we can't do. I can't go out on the street and heal people. The Lord can. So I can follow him as Lord and he will heal people. Thank you, Lord, following as Lord, I've been able to do that. I'm not strong enough to do this. Lord, would you give me your help to do that? I'm a broken person. Lord, would you give me your healing and give me that? I follow you as Lord and you've healed me. No, the Lord here asks Peter to do something that Peter is pretty good at. It's Peter's strengths. List of strengths and weaknesses. Weaknesses for Peter, being impetuous, makes decisions very, very quickly. Strengths, pretty good fisherman. Jesus is saying, you've got to follow me as a fisherman in the stuff you're an expert at. There's nothing you're better at than being a fisherman, Peter, so it's time that you give being a fisherman over to me. That's where we're going to begin. You want to know where Peter is? He's either in bed or on the lake. You want to talk to Peter about something? He'll talk to you about fishing. He'll talk to you about the best parts of the lake to go. He'll talk to you about the modern developments in net technology and the best way to wash it quickly to get home. He'll tell you the kind of boat that he uses and how he's repaired his boat. And if you spend enough time with Peter, he'll probably tell you all sorts of stories about the size of the fish that he's caught. Peter just talks about fish and fishing, probably. It's who he is, it's what he does. Jesus asks, will you call me Lord here? in the thing that is who you are and defines who you are. And you know, Peter, that this is stupid. But will you do it anyway? And Peter does it anyway and finds it's not stupid and that the Lord brings a blessing. So for us, is there a place in our lives where we need to let the Lord in? mentioned jobs earlier I think jobs are an important part of where we are the Lord has often called us to work in a particular environment and in a particular place for him I think often in church we think that there are people who are in Christian work and people who aren't in Christian work and yet if we're a Christian we're in Christian work whatever we're doing so wherever we are whether we're working or retired whether our job is being at home looking after the family or whether our job is, is whatever it is that we may do, whether we're a teacher or whether we're doing administration or leading other people, whether there's a team that report to us or whether we're at the bottom of the pecking order, wherever it is that we are, we're there for Jesus. 
And it's a question about turning that over to him. And I think the Lord is asking for some of us to turn our jobs over to him this morning. In the current world, we need to be careful how we do that. It's not about standing up and preaching the gospel in the middle of our daily work. I'm not saying about doing that, although that may be appropriate if the Lord calls you to do that. But it's about leading people to Jesus in all that we do and in every aspect of the job that we do. How would Jesus be, whatever it is that we do? How do we model what a good human being is in that particular place? And open up the door with our integrity and our holiness and our righteousness for the Lord to come in. Can we give our job to Jesus and say, Lord, would you help me to do the thing that I'm good at in your way? But having begun where Jesus knows that Peter is an expert, Peter, when he saw that Jesus was the Lord and he had this huge catch of fish, Peter comes to Jesus, verse 8, and he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And aware that Peter is totally aware that he is nothing and that he needs Jesus for healing and his unworthiness to be in the presence of Jesus. And the same is true for all of us. The good news is that Jesus doesn't send us away and he doesn't depart from us, but he welcomes us and changes us that we can dwell with him. And for some of us this morning, if we haven't had that encounter with Jesus, when we know him bringing restoration to us and healing and removal of guilt, he longs to do that. And he'll long to do that for us. Finally, Peter decided to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. Verse 11. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. It's a theme in Luke's gospel. We'll come across it again and again. They left everything and followed him. Everything. Their job, their business, their stability, their income, their family, their home. They left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus doesn't necessarily call all of us to abandon everything and follow him doesn't necessarily call on all of us to leave everything behind and follow him in the way that Peter did. But he calls on all of us to place him before everything that we have and to make everything that we have available to him and to give it to him. It's a huge, huge challenge. I think sometimes people say that there are difficult verses in the Bible and they're talking about difficult theologically, but I think sometimes these verses that talk about us leaving behind everything to follow him are the most difficult things that there are and the hardest things that Jesus says. And yet there are blessings that flow from that. I think Peter would say that he was more blessed by following Jesus than in any other way. Jesus called him to be a fisher of men. And in calling him to be a fisher of men, he just doesn't say to Peter, there's this job I think you might be interested in, Peter. There's this job I think you might be interested in on my team. If you apply for it, I might give you this job on my team to be a fisher of men. You know the way that sometimes happens for us or people that we know. Jesus is saying, Peter, I've made you into a fisher of men. That is who you are. 
I have turned you into a fisher of men and become a fisher of men. And as you are a fisher of men, I will equip you to be an effective fisher of men. You will have the gifts that you need. You will have the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon you to enable you to do it. And if God has called us to do something, in that place when we step into it, he will equip us to do it and enable us to do whatever he has called us to do. Let's pray together. We've talked about a lot of things this morning. But ultimately it's about the Lordship of Jesus Christ and following him in every part of our lives. And for some of us, we're at the beginning of our encounter with Jesus and he's beginning to speak to us. And for us, it's about laying down our nets just for a moment and paying attention to Jesus and listening to him and hearing what he wants to say. And I pray, Lord, for people who feel in that place this morning that you would speak to them. May they not leave this place until they've heard your voice and know you calling them. And for some of us, there's an awareness that as we draw close to Jesus that we are not worthy. That there's sin that we carry and that hangs around us. There's things that we're guilty for and that we know we are guilty And a voice within us that says, you can't be in the presence of Jesus because he is pure and you're impure. Yet Jesus wants to reach into our lives to bring healing and forgiveness and restoration. And I pray for us this morning that Jesus would bring that healing and restoration into our lives. And for some of us, the Lord is asking us to do something big or reminding us that he's asked us to do something in particular. And Lord, for us, I pray that you would help us. Make it clear to us what it is you're calling us to do. Help us to discern what it is that we need to do and take that step. And we pray for the pouring of your Holy Spirit upon us to equip us for that task, that we can do it for you with all that we are and all that we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living